Good morning and good Chodesh, everyone. Welcome back to Living with Amuna. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the series for the year. Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, who sponsored in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbit, and in memory of Ellen's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. Thank you so much for your generosity and your sponsorship. There are source sheets up here for anyone who would like. Not only good morning, but good Chodesh to all as well, as we are uh, celebrating the very first day of Adar, Mishinichnes Adar. Mar ben besimcha, Adar has begun which means you have to be happier, and that's our topic that we are learning and studying, the connection between emuna and simcha, the connection between having a life of menuchas anefesh, of calm, of peace of mind, of serenity, being able to smile and be joyful and live life with the happiness and optimism and positivity is all a reflection, it's a barometer, it is the metric of the emuna and bitachon that we are living with, that we are living with. When a person is sad and despondent, person is down and out, when a person feels hopeless and helpless, it means they feel that they are absolutely all alone. When a person says, I'm never down and out, situation is never helpless, and that whatever happens, no matter how tragic, painful, difficult it is, it's for a reason, then they're able to somehow maintain their simcha. So before we go weiter, before we go further in the Sefer we're learning, Morgenstern, I want to offer one clarification because one of our listeners sent me an email with I think a very fair question slash criticism slash question, mostly question, and I want to try to clarify. I want to clarify because she wrote, you know, we've been studying about simcha and we've said that simcha is the reflection of our level of amuna. That if, you're, if you believe in Hashem, if you feel His presence, if you're in conversation with Him, if you know that He's holding us up, supporting us, carrying us, if you know that nothing in our lives is random or chance, but everything is by design and for a reason, then you'll be besimcha. You'll have a skip in your step. You'll be whistling Dixie. You'll be walking down the street with a smile, no matter what's going on in your life. And she writes to me, fairly so. But what happens when something terribly painful? Person sustains a loss. Person has a disappointment. Person has an enormous regret. What happens when someone is feeling down, is feeling traumatized in pain, is shaken by something that happened? Aren't we supposed to believe and haven't we also spent time, I don't know what we're number we're up to in our Living with Amunah series, but in the hundreds of shirim that we've had, we've also spoken and taken time, we've also talked about that even when you feel you're down and out, Hashem is right there by your side. That you're never too low to turn to Hashem. Imo anochi b'tzara. Hashem says, I'm with you in pain, wherever you are. In fact, Moshe, when Hashem first recruits him to be the leader of the Jewish people, he recruits him in the unusual circumstance the unusual phenomena of the bush that's on fire but not being consumed. The sneh, it's not being consumed. So Rashi there already quotes Chazal. What kind of a bush, what kind of a flora did Hashem reach out to Moshe from? A bed of roses, violets, beautiful purple bougainvillea, what are they called? Bougainvillea. Where, from where did Hashem reach out? Some magnificent hedges that are shaped in swans, a thorn bush, a lowly thorn bush. And why did Hashem reach out to Moshe from a lowly thorn bush? He created all the flora, all the landscape. He created the whole world. Certainly, he could have chosen a more beautiful backdrop. Why did he choose a lowly thorn bush? Rashi says, because Hashem is telling us, Imo Anochi B'tzara. Jewish people are in slavery and servitude. They're in pain. I'm not coming to you from a bed of roses. I'm coming to you from a thorn bush. I'm with you. I feel that pain. I'm right next to you. I'm not feeling sympathy. I'm feeling empathy. It's not that I feel bad for you, I feel bad with you. So she writes to me, all this emphasis on simcha, doesn't it make a person feel guilty? You talk feel sad. 
There are legitimate reasons to feel sad. There are legitimate reasons to be in pain. There are legitimate reasons to feel down and out. So this emphasis on simcha and simcha being the metric or barometer of emunah, what kind of faith that we have, do we have happiness? And we've spoken a lot about Hashem, like people, doesn't want to be around a negative, sad person, right? We're drawn to positivity and we are lifted and our lives are enriched when we're around the people that are positive and optimistic and hopeful. That's what calms us and that's what brings us happiness. And just like we don't want to be around a sad, negative, abyssinic, complaining, hypercritical people, neither does Hashem. So she writes to me, so does that mean that Hashem doesn't want to be around me? I'm sad right now. I'm not happy. I'm dealing, I'm struggling, I'm facing, I'm confronting challenging times. I'm sad. I'm sad. So does Hashem not want to be around me? What happened to Imo Anochi Bitsara? What happened to Hashem says, I'm with you in the thorn bush. I'm with you in whatever circumstance. I'm with you in whatever state. I'm with you with whatever you're going through. What happened? Fair question, right? I thought it was a fair question. I didn't write her back yet. I thought this was easier. And I'll send her the link. Or maybe she's watching. Um, but I think the answer is the following. When we talk about these principles, we're talking about them in large. But certainly there are circumstances and chapters and periods of our life where we are between these themes. This is what we strive for. This is our ambition. This is our goal. There are people who've suffered, people who've struggled, who nevertheless are able to maintain a certain level of simcha. It's extraordinary, extraordinary. It's angelic. I'm not even saying necessarily we're capable or we're responsible for it. There are stories of people who walk through concentration camps, who lived in ghettos. There are people who were hiding in the forest. And while it was painful and suffering and struggling, debilitating, horrific, 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 uh, they probably did not have a skip in their step and they weren't whistling down the street, but they were able to maintain and preserve a certain sense of a, of a happiness in life, of living in the moment, of appreciating any good that there was or that there is. I think I told you recently when we visited Rav Machlis in Israel, and I asked him how he's able to be so joyful. He lost the love of his wife, his partner, Rebetzin Machlis, one of the extraordinary people of our time. And he gave the great mushal, the great example that I shared, that just like you say, my phone is dead, my iPad's dead, my laptop died, and then you plug it in and it comes back to life, he knows that she will come back to life. So she's not gone and she's not dead. Just like your iPad or your computer, it's temporarily inaccessible and it will get plugged in and be back to life. So therefore, he continues to live her values, he feels her presence, and he has a happiness. He didn't feel guilty, he wasn't apologizing, he's not defensive about it. Are you gonna tell me Rav Machlis never said that Rebbe Machlis is no longer here? I can't imagine, I'm sure he is, in moments of simchas that he's celebrating within his family. Every Friday night, when he has the unusually large crowd, I'm sure he feels the sadness all the time, but he's made the decision to be happy. It's a decision. So to the dear listener who emailed me, the answer is it's okay to be sad sometimes. It's okay. We have a whole institution of Avelas. Just before I came here, I was on the phone with somebody whose father died and we have to plan everything right after the... It's sad. I wouldn't say to him, look, this is Hashem's plan. So smile. Be happy. Your father's gone. Be happy. This is his plan. And you'll plug him in. He'll come back to life. There'll be a triism. To say such a thing is cruel. It's cruel. It's inhumane. It's against Torah. It's against Halacha. We go to a shiva call. We say, Amokam Yanachim Eschem. Something's missing, something's lacking, there's a hole in your heart. May Hashem feel it, may you feel whole. Of course there's grief, there's Avelis. The reason there's no Avelis on Yantif 
If a holiday comes, in Dafyomi we're learning this now, if a holiday comes in the middle of Shiva, it interrupts and it cancels the Shiva. In the middle of Shloshim, it cancels the Shloshim. Why? The answer is because they're incompatible. A holiday is a time of simcha, of great joy. And Avelis is a time of great grief. And grief and joy are incompatible. There's not a halacha. The while you sit Shiva, you have to do it with a smile. There's no such thing. It's with a tear. Avelis, do we not all sit on the ground? Do we not cry and mourn and grieve? for the loss, the calamities, the tragedies throughout the centuries and the millennia. We didn't cancel Tisha B'Av from the calendar because you have to be besimcha. So there are moments and there are times, there are experiences and there are episodes, there are chapters in our life where we are sad and Hashem is sitting right down next to us. Hashem is there with His arm around us. Hashem is not feeling sympathy for us, He's feeling empathy with us. Imo anochi bitzara. It pains Him too. It pains Him too. That expression of godliness of Hashem in this world is no longer here with the loss of that person. When a person is going through a challenging time with a child, if you're having to go to parent-teacher conferences or having a prescription filled or going to a therapist and you're struggling with a certain child, you turn to Hashem and you say, Hashem, the Gemara says there are three partners in a person, the father, the mother, and you. So guess what, Hashem? You're coming to parent-teacher conferences with us. You're coming to the therapist with us. I want you to be as sleepless at night and cry as much and worry as much as we do because you're the third parent. We're all in this together. And Hashem says, I'm right there with you, 100%. So there are moments of sadness. We don't deny it. We're not in denial of it. We experience it. We can lean into it. But we can't perseverate or get stuck there. We can't have it become who we are forever. And there's no judgment of people who have gone through great loss and not bounced back or recovered. No judgment. God forbid no one until he's walked in anyone else's shoes can ever judge them. So I share that not from judgment. We are learning this aspirationally. We are learning this as our goal. And we are learning this, and this is really my answer to that person who emailed me. I think, I think, that even while you're sitting on the ground sad, literally or figuratively, even while you're going through a painful moment, if you realize, you know, Hashem, at least there's meaning to this pain. At least my faith allows me to believe that it's not random or chance, that it's not simply for no reason, but that there's meaning in this order, that there's something that one day I'll come to learn or understand. I know you're by my side. I know you're the one who prescribed this. I know for somehow, in some reason, this is what's right and for the best. And therefore, even within my sadness, I can feel a certain sense of simcha. Simcha doesn't have to mean a smile and laughter. Simcha can mean feeling whole. There's nothing, I told you the Kutzker, there's nothing as, as whole as a broken heart. There's nothing as whole as a broken heart. So even when my heart is broken, it feels whole to be broken because I'm with you, because you complete me, because you compliment me, because you make me feel whole. So our goal is not to deny sadness or create guilt over grief. When those feelings, when those moments come, feel them, but feel he's there with you. Not where are you and why and how could you, but you're right by my side. I don't understand it. I'm protesting, I'm objecting, not happy that this is what you think is best. But simultaneously, as much as I take my initiative, I also accept and recognize that you're in charge, you're in control, I submit, and I surrender to you. And in that, there is a joy and a happiness. In that, there is a simcha that I could submit and surrender to you. There's a simcha that you're in charge, that you're in control, that there is a reason. You know, you ever have a kid who's up all night, screaming, crying, in pain, not feeling well, sick? So first thing, you take him to the doctor. What is the best thing in the world that the doctor could tell you? Ear infection, strep throat. What is the worst thing a doctor can tell you? It's viral. 
some virus going around. Sorry. When the doctor says ear infection, strep throat, prescription, antibiotic, by tomorrow we'll be feeling a lot better. By day three, you can go to school. Today's 617 Q-tips up their nose first, but eventually they'll get back to school. Why? What do you mean my kid has strep? We're, the truth is it's true for us as adults too. We don't feel well, we're sick. You go to a doctor and the doctor says, I've examined you up and down, through and through, did a lab, it's viral, good luck, feel better, have chicken soup. Then you say, ah, oh, now I don't feel well and my pain and suffering has no meaning. I don't know what it is or how to get out of it. But when you know the diagnosis and you know the cure and you know the reason, you can identify, then you can feel, okay, the parent who takes the child to the pharmacy to pick up the antibiotic because it's an ear infection or strep throat is besimcha. Not besimcha, the child's suffering where they didn't sleep the whole night before, but besimcha, there's a reason. I understand there's a reason for it and we're gonna come out of it. Hashem doesn't give us the diagnosis of the challenges we're through. He doesn't send us an email that says, this is the reason, this is the meaning, this is the purpose, this is why I did it. But yet, when we can go through life understanding, this, this is not a random virus. This is, there's a diagnosis. There's a reason Hashem is putting us through whatever He's putting us through, that we could feel the simcha within the pain. And that's really my answer to the author of the email. There's a simcha even within the pain. Don't deny the pain, don't feel guilty, don't feel shame about being in pain or struggling. But when you realize that Hashem is right by your side and He gives us the strength, the tenacity, the resilience to be able to get through it, when we know that He's suffering with us, when we know that it's not random, but it's for a reason, then we can find a simcha even within, even within the pain. So I wanted to start with that. I hope it's a clarification. I'll share with you the email I probably will get next week of whether that clarified or not. We're on page Kuf Mem Tes 149. The Sefer Bayam Derachacha, Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgenstern, known affectionately as Rav Itcha Meyer Morgenstern. And we're up to the left-hand column. This is, I'm going to tell you a word I've said a million times. I'm going to say it a million more. I said it last night in Sinner Snippets. I said it Friday at the beach. I'm saying it to you today. And the day I become a broken record and you all stop coming, we'll hang him up and move to Israel. But until then, my favorite Tivrei Torah, I'm going to keep repeating. For myself, not for you. The more I am the Chernobyl Rebbe. There were once Jews in Chernobyl before that meant you glow, you know, glow in the dark because of a horrific uh, tragedy that happened there. We hear the word Chernobyl, we associate it right away with a terrible tragedy. But there was holy Jews in Chernobyl, there was a Chernobyl Rebbe. He was the father of a dynasty of Hasidus. All the Tverskis and Skver and all comes from, comes down from Chernobyl. So Chernobyl Rebbe has a say from Morinayim and Morinayim he says the following, today is Rosh Chodesh Adar. It's the first of Adar. And we've got two months, 60 days, we've got two shots at this this year. We've got the extra leap here. The month of Adar, we add, we increase, we promote, we expand the sense of simcha, the joy, the smile, the happiness, or the confidence, the faith, the belief that everything is for a reason, even if it doesn't manifest externally, but inside, we're able to feel whole by filling whatever's missing with the knowledge that Hashem does everything for a reason. So what does it mean? So the simple understanding is when we enter the month of Adar, when you enter Adar, the month of Adar, Marben, we expand our simcha. But that's a really tough, it's a really tough obligation. Just because the calendar says today's the first of Adar? What if you're going through a challenging time? What if Corona's weighing on you? What if whatever other disappointment or challenge you're going through? 
So Misha, you looked at the calendar? Oh, I checked Google. I checked my Outlook. I checked the funeral home calendar. I checked whatever calendar I use. Oh, it's Adar. Oh, I just put on my smile. It's Adar. Some counterfeit fake smile because it's Adar? How does that work? So the Chanel Barabba says, it's not about our entering the month of Adar. Misha Nechnas Adar, it's about Adar entering us. And what does it mean for Adar to enter us? He says the word Adar, Adar, Aleph Dar. Aleph is one, the one and only the unique, the distinct Hashem. The one, Aleph also, the, the letter Aleph is spelled Aluf. Aleph, Aleph Lamed Pei. Aluf means the mighty, the one and only, the great, the source of everything. Aluf Dar, Aleph Dar. You see, we go through the other months of the year, we go through our lives and Hashem is hidden. Hashem is hidden, you can't find Him. We want to, we want to grab on, we want to hug, we want to hear His voice, we want to talk to Him, but you can't see Him. There's a hiddenness to Him. There's a hiddenness to Hashem. There's a hester upon Him. There are times in our life where you feel He's right in front of us. You have a magnificent experience in nature, you experience a magnificent miracle, something seems to all work out that you thought was not going to, and in that moment you feel the Divine Presence. You're in the presence of the Divine. And you know with confidence and certainty there's a God and He's involved in my life. Those are incredible moments, but they're far and few between. For the most part, we say, where are you? And how can I find you? And I'm in search for you. Why are you hiding? There's a Hester Panim, He's hiding. Our job in this world is Adar. Aleph Dar. To bring Hashem to live and dwell down here with us. To look for Him, to peel back the layers and to find Him. To find Him. Again, have a Hashkacha Pratis WhatsApp group. And to find Him, the Hashkacha Pratis. The little coincidences, the random things that happened, the things that came together, the things that worked out and said, that wasn't random or chance. That wasn't coincidence. That was you. That was you. You showed your face in that moment when I got that parking spot or when that thing worked out or when the person called just at that moment or when I pulled up just in time or when the thing... That was you. You showed your face in my life. Hashkacha Pratis, it came together. It was a moment of tremendous Hashkacha. That was you. That was you, Alavdar. That was you. So our mission, our challenge in life is Mishenichnas Adar. Not to enter the month of Adar, but the month of Adar to enter us. And then Marben Besimcha. When Adar, when it enters us to live a life in which we are looking for, revealing, identifying Hashem, giving Him a dira betachtonim, giving Him a dwelling place down here on earth, exposing, revealing, talking about Him, then Marben Besimcha, then you feel more Simcha in your life. You know, the degree to which you're on your own. Good luck. You go by yourself, on your own. And my children often have to go do something and they say, Abba, can you just come with me? Can you just come with me to the corona test? Just come with me to fill the car with gas. Just come with me to go buy the thing. Why? Just go do it. You got it. Nothing's going to happen to you. I just feel better. Just, just come with me. Just come with me. If you're there, your presence gives me more confidence. Makes me feel everything will be okay. There's a backup who I know has my back if something goes wrong. Can you just, just come with me? It's the show parking lot. It's 30 seconds away. Just go get tested. Why do I have to come with you? Or it's, why? Why do I have to? The answer is because your presence just means something. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm coming. Where do you want to go? I'm, I'm coming with you. You need me to go with you through Costco? You need me to go with you to the DMV? You want me to come with you to get tested for Corona? You need me to sit with you in the waiting room of the doctor's office? You want me to come with you to the lab while you're waiting for that lab report? I'm coming with you. If my mere presence gives you comfort and confidence, gives you strength, I'm there. Alaf dar, adar, mishenichnas adar. When we go through life, knowing he's by our side, marben besimcha. 
we feel better, calmer, less anxious, more confident, more, more ready to take on whatever comes our way. So that's what these months are. That's I'm not going to get into Purim because we still have six weeks till then. But that's the holiday of Purim. I say every year, Megillas Esther. Esther comes from Nister. Hashem is hidden. Esther, Megillas Esther, Megala the Nister. Our job is to peel back and find Hashem. That's the whole essence of Purim that falls in Adar. So in the, in the month of Mishanichnas Adar, when Adar enters us, Alav Dar, that the one and only God comes down and lives here on earth with us, and that enters us, and we live Besimcha, we celebrate Purim. And what is Purim? How many times does Hashem's name appear in the Megillah? Zero. zero. Bapkis, Gurnish, none, zero, nothing. Hashem's name doesn't appear. You read this story, it's a remarkable story, 10 beautiful chapters, Hashem's name doesn't appear once. What's it doing in the canon? What's it doing in Tanakh? What's it doing among our holy scriptures? There's a debate whether it should be in there, but it is. Why is it one of the 24 books of Tanakh, one of the crown jewels of the Jewish people? Hashem's name doesn't even appear. If you think about that for a moment, it's insane. One of the books of our religious canon does not have God's name. It is a secular book without God's name, with no reference to God. Is that crazy? Now the truth is, God's name does appear every time the word Hamelach is used. If only Gon said every time the word king is used, it's a reflection, it's a description, it's God. But more than that, the whole purpose of the book is to realize that the Megillah is written with black letters on white parchment. Rav Weinberger spoke about it the other night when he was here. Black letters on white parchment. Hashem's name doesn't appear in black letters, but it's all over the white parchment. And the question is, do we only read the black letters? Do we live our lives only reading the lines? Or do we see what's between the lines? Do we only read what's written on the lines? Or do we live our life reading between the lines? Reading the lines of our life is just the doctor, the coworker, the boss, the family member, the friend, uh, this is what's happening to me. Reading between the lines is there's a Hashem. There's a Hashem. Everything's for a reason, everything's for meaning, everything's for a purpose, everything's by design. So when I can find Hashem, I peel back and I discover and I try to understand what's the message and what do you mean and you're right with me and therefore I'm not worried and we'll take on whatever's coming our way. So when we do that, Mar ben Basimcha, if you only read the black letters, sometimes you have a lot of reasons to be sad, lonely, afraid, anxious. But we can, when you could read and find Hashem's name on the white parchment, then you can build your confidence and your faith. Then you could believe. Then you can feel good. Basimcha doesn't mean whistling and happy and smiling. Basimcha means feeling whole, feeling confident, feeling able to take on whatever greets you for that day. Okay, let's start. Page Kuf Memtes, left-hand column. V'lachain. Simcha is one of the core foundations of Avoda. You know, we call work, work, we call service of Hashem Avoda. Avoda Hashem. Why is it called Avoda Hashem? Because it's hard work. Hard work. I know you're sitting here listening and thinking, and I'm thinking it while I say it. Like, if this is what we're meant to do, why is it so hard? Why aren't we taught it? Is there a curriculum of Simcha in Jewish education? <laughs> Unfortunately, so many of the most core and central values, ideals, beliefs are absent. That's not to blame any of our amazing educators or our schools who are under such pressure to cover other parts of curriculum, but this is a personal pet peeve of mine. I believe every Chumash class, every Navi class, every Halacha class, every Gemara class, the punchline should be this. Yes, this is what happened in the story in Chumash. What does that teach us about Amuna, faith in Hashem, Simcha, Bitachon? Yes, in Navi, these characters underwent that ex experience, that episode, 
What does that teach us about how they dealt with it, their resilience, their faith, and so on? That's the halacha. What does that show us about Hashem's blueprint for this world, His formula, His prescription for how we're meant to live? The punchline of every class in Jewish education should be, what does this mean for our relationship with Hashem? So yes, we were learning the halacha, the law, or we were learning the narrative of the Chumash or the Navi, or we were learning the Gemara and how it was derived and the back and forth and my ox scores, your ox, and so on. But what does that mean about Hashem's will? What does that mean about Hashem's way? What does that mean about Hashem's presence in our lives? That has to be the punchline of every conversation in Jewish education. It, it has to not be possible that a Jewish child graduates Jewish education and says, I can repeat the 39 malachas, and I can tell you all the months of the year, and I can tell you all the stories in Chumash and Navi, but I don't have a relationship with Hashem. No one ever talked to me. I don't know who He is, and what He wants from me. I don't feel His presence. I don't know how to talk or spend time with Him. I don't know what it means to be besimcha because I can trust that he's always there and with me. It can't be, it can't be that they could graduate and never have these conversations. So it should come easy, we feel. It should be core and basic. It's foundational, it's central. But it's called avoda, And the reason it's called avoda is because it's work. Avodah Hashem is hard work. It's hard work. But is there any meaningful relationship in your life that's not? That's not? If someone tells me, you know, we dated, we fell in love, it was love at first sight, we got married and it's been bliss and seamless. We never have had one fight and all we are is perfectly in love all the time and there's birds chirping and there's, it's unbelievable. I say nebuch. I believe them, but they must have a very shallow marriage. They must have a very superficial marriage. It can't be very deep. It can't be very rich. It can't be very dynamic. It can't be very filled with energy and electricity and romance because that's just not possible two human beings who are different and from different backgrounds who are trying to integrate their lives, it's work, it's hard work. It's another one of the things that we omit when we teach our children. Depending on which school and which background, they start talking about getting married, I don't know, kindergarten or pre-K-2? Yeah. But by 9th, 10th, by 12th grade seminary, they're already focused almost exclusively on marriage. Does anyone talk about how hard work it is? Does anyone mention that it's hard work? So don't be frustrated and don't despair if shortly into it, you have to work on it. We're learning about ourselves, we're growing, that's the purpose of marriage. It helps, it challenges us to be our best selves, to think and to care outside of ourselves, to compromise and to sacrifice. So is there a relationship in life which is not hard work? Is parenting not hard work? We long for, we wait, we daven with Hashem's help and we bless all those who are waiting. They should have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. But you dive in, you long for, you wait, you think it's gonna be amazing, and then that first sleepless night, the first explosive diaper, the first virus, undiagnosed illness from the doctor. And by the way, all these are the little problems. Little children, little problems. Big children, big problems. Then you get to the big problems. Then there's, you know, defiance. Then there's rejection. Then there's challenge with communication. Is it not hard work to be a parent? So show me a meaningful relationship in your life and it's going to be hard work. There is no meaningful relationship that doesn't have hard work. Sorry for the graphic description there. That's the best part of being a Zeta. You don't have to deal with any of that. You have a Bobby. She some reason likes that. but um, There's no relationship in life that's meaningful and that's worth it that doesn't take hard work. And the same is true our relationship with Hashem. It's called Avodah for a reason. It's hard work. It's work. It's work to remember to be besimcha. Some people, the default status, they wake up in the morning and the default is to be sad, not happy. The default is to assume something's wrong and just wait to figure out what it is. 
The default is to know there's something to complain about and to just find out what that is. And other people wake up and they're happy. And even when there's something to complain about or a reason to be sad, they choose to be happy. Happiness is a choice. It is not an emotion. Happiness is a choice. It is a decision. It is not an emotion. It's a mitzvah gedola. It's a mitzvah gedola lios besimcha. It's not just a mitzvah. We're not usually in the business of ranking mitzvahs, but this one we do. It's a mitzvah gedola lios besimcha. It's a great mitzvah. Shashem is baruch ima that Hashem is with us for the smoch boy is baruch, and to be happy that He's with us, to be happy that He's with us. Sometimes you're going through a challenging time or a hard time, and you have that loving marriage, that loving partner, and you say, "This is miserable. It's difficult. I'm really afraid." but there's no one else in the world I'd rather go through it. At least I'm happy that I'm doing it with you. In a, in a good, healthy marriage situation, you say, this is miserable, it's challenging, it's difficult. I don't know how we'll get through it, but at least I'm happy. I feel happiness and comfort and strength that we're doing it together. I'm doing it with you. So going back again to our emailer, there can be a sadness and a suffering, a challenging time, but Hashem, I'm brought happiness. There's a simcha, there's a wholeness that at least I'm doing it with you. Doing it with you. We're princes and princesses. We're royalty. We're children of Hashem. Literally, literally, we are the children of Hashem. We have a chilek elokah mimaol mamash. There's a piece of God in us, in us, and He's with us wherever we are. When you recognize this in truth, it gives you strength, it gives you power, it gives you confidence, it gives you courage. To be able to confront whatever's coming our way. To be able to get up from every time we're knocked down. We get knocked down. There are things that knock us down. There are people who say things and do things that are hurtful. They knock us flat. They knock us down. There's unexpected challenges in health, God forbid, or wellness. They knock us down. Emotionally, spiritually, they knock us over. There are things, we had a burst pipe in a wall, one of our kids' room, a leak, the floor. It's out of nowhere. What a lesson, by the way. Last night, Yechavah was showing me the pipe. Immediately, they broke open the wall. They replaced that little piece of the pipe, and now the work starts of figuring out what has to be done. Do you call insurance? What do you pull up? How do you do it? Everything else. So I said the little piece of the pipe is on the counter that they took out. I said, where's the leak? You could barely see a little pinpoint leak in the pipe. So I said, you know, the leak in the pipe, it's frustrating, it's upsetting, we'll figure it out. That's the sad part. But you know what the miracle is? that this house is filled with pipes that don't have that little leak. Yeah. Yeah. It's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. Right? Have, when's the last time you stopped in the morning when you said, you said, and Hashem, thank you that my pipes don't leak. <laughs> By the way, in my house, in my body, in my whatever, thank you that my pipes don't leak. Asher Next time you say Asher think about the pipes in your house too. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. When was your house built? How many years has water been flowing through those pipes? The pressure, the change in temperature, intense heat in the winter, in the summer, the intense cold we've had here in the winter. <laughs> well, is it not a miracle that the pipes in your house don't once every year burst? It's a miracle. It's mamish a miracle. A little tiny little, that, that creates all this damage. A tiny little, I thought there'd be a big crack, the pipe just split in half, the whole wall filled with water. A little pin, you can't even find it without a tool to measure that they found where it was. Tiny little pin. It's a miracle. It's a miracle you have indoor plumbing. Yeah. Can you imagine to go to an outhouse every time? 
Can you imagine what taking a bath looked like not that long ago? Indoor plumbing is a Thank you, Hashem. It's a miracle. He says, you know, you come at me when everything goes wrong. When's the last time you said thank you to me? When everything is right. When the comfort and convenience of indoor plumbing. When's the last time you said thank you when everything was working? When the pipes were all flowing? You're only going to come at me and say, why me? And how could you when the pipe bursts? When the rest of the time they're all flowing and it's all working? It's a miracle. It's an unbelievable miracle. How could you not be besimcha? We'll gladly fix this. Thank you for it not bursting once a month, once a week, once a year. Besimcha will fix it because it's a miracle that we have pipes. It's a miracle we have indoor plumbing. It's a miracle that a toilet flushes. How does that work? It's a miracle. It cleans itself out. It flushes. It's indoor plumbing. It's an absolute miracle. It's a miracle. It's not even electric. You can use it on Shabbos. It's a miracle. You understand that toilets not being electric was designed for Jews. <laughs> now they have fancy schmancy toilets. They take a lab sample. It's unbelievable. Electric, they plug in. But I'm saying the basic toilet was designed for Frum Yidin. How else does it make sense that a toilet has no electric component, that it's a permissible on Shabbos? What would Shabbos look like if, in addition to having to tear toilet paper before Shabbos, we had to figure out on Shabbos because toilets were not usable? There's miracles all around us. Hashem, you're amazing. Thank you for the toilet. Thank you for the pipes, the indoor plumbing. You're amazing. You're everywhere. And I feel such gratitude. And I'm so besimcha about the little things. You're incredible. And when we recognize this be'emes, we have the koach to face with our nisyonos. And to get up, so you're knocked down. Halavai, this should be the biggest way that anyone is ever knocked down. A little pipe and work that you have to do. It's annoying, it's frustrating, it's difficult, but halavai, it should be the biggest challenge that we ever have. But it knocks you down because you weren't expecting having to deal with it and the many hours it will take. So you get up from it though with Hashem. And you say Hashem, for whatever reason it was meant to be that that pipe would burst. For whatever reason, maybe we'll figure out why. Maybe never will. But that was what was meant to be. So no problem, besimcha. We accept it, besimcha. Halavai, we accept it, besimcha. And that we can succeed in all of our challenges because he's by our side, because he's with us, because we know. So that's the mission, that's the ambition, that's the goal, that's the goal. It's to be besimcha tamid, is to always be happy. Happiness, not always happy, skipping, laughing, joyful externally. We go through challenging times, stressful times. To be besimcha means to feel whole to latch ourselves on to the one and only who is whole, is Hashem. Let's just start the first paragraph of the next page because I want to feel like it is covered a little bit of material. I'll give you a little teaser for next week. What we'll begin with next week is, where does sadness come from? Where does sadness come from? So there's all kinds of sadness. There's the sadness of loss. But there's also an emotional sadness. And the emotional sadness here comes from, again, not clinical, that needs help, that needs support, that needs medicine at times or other intervention. We're not talking about clinical sadness. When we talk about this, we're just talking about general universal feelings. So he talks about, and it's fascinating because in psychology you have the same thing. I, I'm almost done reading a book called Dopamine. Very fascinating book about what's going on in our time and our generation. Dopamine, the dopamine generation the challenges with drugs of people who take uppers and then have to take lowers and they're misusing Ritalin and attention drugs, an enormous challenge that none of us really appreciate that's going on right now on college campuses, the world at large, among adults, trying to regulate feelings and the fulcrum, the balance between pain and pleasure and what's going on in people's lives. And the more that we need to take these things in order to feel pleasure, the more dulled our sensation to pleasure, which means we have to do more, and that the natural psyche chemically is designed that 
pain and pleasure have to balance out. So the more pleasure we artificially create for ourselves, the more that the pain vectors kick in to create a pain, which just makes us want to have more pleasure. It's a very sad book of what's going on in the world today. But what I thought was very interesting about it is it very much correlates with what the Torah tells us, not surprisingly. What the Torah knew all along, not surprisingly. And included is this. Part of pain that people experience emotionally is People feel sad when they feel they don't measure up. People feel sad when they cross a boundary that they claim they care to keep. And that's why a person who acts out, and we'll leave that generic and ambiguous intentionally, but whatever compulsion a person is challenged with, maybe it's speaking Lashon Hara, bless you. Maybe it's eating unhealthy. Maybe it's speaking Lashon Hara. Maybe it's gambling. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol. Maybe it's looking at inappropriate images, acting out. Whatever compulsion a person is struggling with, but psychologist research shows after violating that compulsion, that boundary, people feel depressed. They feel sad. There's a sadness that comes from when we claim to have moral, ethical, or simple values and boundaries and we don't keep them, we feel sad, we feel depressed, we feel shame, we feel shame. So when we claim to value X, but then we only live Y, we feel broken, we feel inconsistent, and we feel broken, and that brings a sense of sadness. So we'll talk about how to address that, overcome that, how to try to navigate that. But meanwhile, a good chodesh to everyone. Don't just enter the month of Adar today. Today is the first of Adar. Don't just enter Adar today. Let Adar enter you. Find Hashem in your life and then feel a sense of simcha. Till next week, stay happy, stay healthy, stay holy.